Hello and welcome to the Geek Embassy Watches Star Trek Discovery. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, and tonight I'm here with Dante, Liam, and Nicole. Say hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. Hello. <laughs> Somebody had to say that joke. I mean, of yeah. course. You say it every single time. <laughs> I know. Most. I try not to sometimes, but... <laughs> All right. So... All right, so we are here to talk about the last two episodes of season one, Star Trek Discovery, available mm -hmm. on CBS All Access in the United States and available in Canada, where Liam is watching from on Crave TV. Yes? Mm. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> that sounds great. It is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so <laughs> I wish we had a free streaming service to go ahead and watch this stinking show. <laughs> not that I'm bitter or anything. And not like that's been a theme for the past like seven or eight episodes that we've been doing this. <laughs> we've just said that for the entire season. But um, I actually have some things to say about them putting it on all access about these episodes. So we can get mm -hmm. to that later, though. Oh, yes, we can. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> we're going to do um, a very quick recap and then jump into uh, our discussion. Um, so episode 14 is War war Without, War Within, and episode 15 is Will You Take My Hand, um, subtitled by Dante, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love Michelle Yeoh. I mean, because that's <laughs> nice. really the theme of this entire series. Let's be right. real here. <laughs> we're going to make you wait. We're going to give you two episodes with her, and then one like flashback um, hologram scene. <laughs> then we're going to make you wait until the last four episodes to have her back again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. and of course, by the her way, reveal is still like one of the best moments of TV ever, as far oh, as I'm concerned. Absolutely. When she came back as the emperor. Like, yeah. Still one of the best things ever, because I totally had fallen out of my head that she could come back. So. Yeah. Yep. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> spoil the entire season, because we'll probably touch on all of them since this is the season finale. And there is a season two of the show. So, um, yeah. So just uh, keep that in mind as you're listening. So, uh, let's see. Major plot points. Um, the Discovery is boarded by... Okay, so at the I end yep. of 13 is they finally jump back to the prime universe using and, some Trek magic. Science. Yeah, Trek magic. <laughs> and it ends with Stamets saying, well, we've been gone for nine months. months yeah. Black. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. And that's the end of that episode. So then um, the first thing that they, well, and then they first discover that there's no real, um, they, there's been devastating loss in the war against the Klingons that they right. lost many of the planets and many of their ships and they're holding a very small piece of um, Federation space still against them. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. So Admiral Cornwell, um, who you might remember as having conflicted with Lorca. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. She, yeah, Goes she did, and uh, Sarek both board the ship. Right. Uh, <laughs> un unconvinced that this is the real Star Trek discovery. Yes. <laughs> right. Or, or at the very least unconvinced that, uh, that these are the real people who, uh, who, you know, claim to be, uh, <laughs> This uh, this crew, right? For whatever yeah. reason, yeah, right, yeah. Well, they're in the middle of a war; they're losing. So I give them a little. I cut them a little slack for being suspicious. Yeah, yeah. My one confusion was that I was fairly certain that I, I had just clearly misinterpreted. I had really thought that Cornwell was dead because I thought that when Ash and 
Um, oh right, mm, yeah. When, when Ash and Burnham were, were sort of running around in that on the in the fall finale, yeah, on the Klingon ship that they saw mm-hmm. a corpse and it was Cornwell. I haven't yeah. gone back to watch it, but they shot her with something <laughs> that like brought her back to life. Right? I don't even know what it was. Okay, trick magic. She had trick been magic. like <laughs> in the fight. She had been thrown up against like a bulkhead or something, and she had collapsed. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was unclear whether or not she was unconscious or dead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. I know they never they went never went up to her and went, "Oh, she's dead." But I just had yeah. a weird sensation that I, when watching it, I interpreted it as, "Oh, she is dead," because they right. did something that made me think that's worse than just. Mm-hmm. A little shakeup, but that wasn't too jarring. I just went because I mean I'd seen it in the trailer and everything too. But right, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, just I, I, I was wrong, but it was a little strange. I couldn't remember um, <laughs> what had <laughs> happened to her because I feel like the most significant thing that had happened with her character was the fact that she was ready to oust Lorca, and mm. he mm-hmm. just sent her to the freaking Klingons. <laughs> was yes. like, see ya. Oh, we're not going to rescue you. Good luck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I follow orders now. Didn't you get the memo? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I follow <laughs> orders when it's convenient. Yeah, that's all I really remembered about her storyline. But then she's imprisoned with um, Laurel, right? And then yep. And yeah. she she's responsible for getting Laurel to the Discovery so right. that they can um, so they can use her to figure out a way to uh, disrupt the Klingon invasion. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, but anyway, that's going way back. <laughs> it has nothing to do with episode 14. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. So, so she's, so she goes ahead and boards Disco with, uh, with Sarek in tow. Yeah. And, right. You know, Sarek does his whole mind thing and he realizes, yes. oh, look at that. Yeah. These people are actually who they say they are. And, you know, and what they're telling you is the truth. I would just like to give a nod to Gene Roddenberry and the original series for the mind meld. Mm-hmm. Nice. Where would we be without the out that is the mind meld? In- right. uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Let's be real here. Um, Where would Star Trek be without the mind meld? Because it fixes more things than, I mean, it creates problems. <laughs> yes. You know, it definitely like, fixes more yeah. plot problems. Than- <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, mind meld the original invisibility cloak. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be real here. Harry Potter would get nothing done if it were not for a Hermione Granger, b the invisibility cloak. (laughs) Probably be dead inside of like half of a book. Yeah. Anyways, also has nothing to do with Star Trek. (laughs) We're off to a fantastic start. Right. This is going to be quite the show, guys. So. Um. (laughs) So what else happens in this episode? Oh, Burnham officially breaks up with Tyler. Um, <laughs> basically at basically at uh, at Saru's urging, said, you know, um, and he he basically goes ahead and tells her, um, or or is it Stamets? I forget which. Someone tells her like you need to go ahead and talk to him. Yeah. Um, I think it's he- Tilly, isn't it Tilly? I mean, Saru tries to get her to go with him when he's in sick bay, mm-hmm. and then yeah, he clears him. Yeah, it's in yeah. clear. He clears him for for like you know quarters, so he doesn't have to be um, locked up. And yeah. it's Tilly after she sits with him in the 
in the mm-hmm. kitchen or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Goes to her and says, of course he's not okay. He's lost the person he cares the most oh, about. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I forgot it was Tilly. But anyway, yeah. Uh, Burnham actually goes ahead, confronts him. She breaks up with him because when she looks into his eyes, all she sees is Voke and <laughs> you know, and and Klingons are responsible for murdering her family. So Yeah. You know, she's got baggage, and that's perfectly understandable. He cries a lot of man tears. It's it's <laughs> wonderful. Um, there is nothing wrong with man tears. No, 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 there's nothing. That on record. There's, there's nothing yes. wrong with man tears. Okay. It's just uh, I have very little sympathy when men cry um, because you know, because it, of the or when men cry. What, no, when men cry in John in in television because oh. it's meant to be like such a uh, like such a like a big thing like oh my god he's being so emotional I'm like seriously like dudes cry all the time you guys can go ahead and not make this a spectacle okay. that's just my personal bias okay um, thank you for explaining yeah. that because I had yeah. I had yeah. to like yeah. he cries okay. too much totally he does I'm glad that they sent he him does, off kind of. Yeah. Although who knows if he'll be back at this point? Not, I feel like I feel like that was his way of like saying I'm not done with you yet. <laughs> no, yeah, like, I I don't think not. he doesn't know how to quit her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, oh wow! Yeah. Just throw everything in here. Yeah. So yeah. let's we're gonna move on. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Tilly and Stannis Stamets basically have to like Genesis device an entire yes. unit in yes. order to kickstart the spore drive I because the same thing. Yeah. Because Look basically, like Trek magic. Like they <laughs> like they've been sitting around trying to figure out how to replenish their spore drive for what feels like five or six episodes at this point, And they finally are just like, Oh yeah, right. Let's just go ahead and use this Genesis device that we just happen to have sitting around here, you know, because of reasons, <laughs> you know, let's just go ahead and, you know, resurrect Spock while we're at it. You know, let's well, make that happen. Had you been down but they, there, but they, they don't know that Spock's that Spock is a person yet. Um, <laughs> let me see here. Klingons blow up a critical star base and they are mounting an invasion of earth. Um, Bad. Yeah, it's it, it's bad, mm-hmm. and that prompts Cornwall into action, um, and gets her to sign off or greenlight a plan to put, you know, the warrior goddess herself, Philippa Giorgio, <laughs> into command of Discovery to lead a frontal assault on Kronos, which mm-hmm. is exactly what Burnham wanted to do way back in Episode Two, right? Would, which was you know, which was uh, the uh, the Vulcan hello, right? Which yeah. is what got her. You which know. is what got her court-martialed in right. the first place. Well, I mean, it was her mutiny. She tried to do it without orders, but yeah. yes, she was saying we need to do this here. So now she's there. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Which we don't know. We don't know that until the middle of the fifth, uh, the last episode. But yeah. yeah, and that and and by the way, fans, like that was one of the most wonderful, uh, wonderful ends uh, ends ends of, of an episode that I probably have ever seen. When like when who walks out on the bridge but Philippa Giorgio and the entire right. crew is just sitting because. You know, Cornwall is just like, oh, you know, like the the the, re- the thought dead, but recently recovered Philippa Giorgio, or recently escaped Philippa Giorgio. Right, yeah. And meanwhile, Saru and Burnham are just sitting there just like, oh, God, what are they doing? <laughs> right, because just yeah. to make it clear, it's Mirror Giorgio. It's not Mirror, like, Giorgio. Mirror Giorgio. So who, it's the evil now has the keys. 
<laughs> has the keys to the most powerful ship in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And they're using it on a half-cocked plan to go assault Kronos or Quanos or however you pronounce it in Klingon. Because I like I have friends who can speak Klingon. I can't. That says a lot about me and the people that I choose to spend time with. Um, you see here. But going into episode 15, we've got uh, Tyler is using Voke's memories to determine the best place to destabilize Kronos. Um, Stamets does this really baller ass, like jump right into basically the middle of the caverns of Kronos. Like he's something in the neighborhood of like a mile or two underneath the planet's surface. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. I have to say. Yeah. And he does it basically without sweating. It's amazing. Um, No big deal. Oh yeah. He's just like, am I good or am I good? And of course, (laughs) And they're like, we got to go ahead and be Mr. Law and Order here. Whatever. <laughs> um, so uh, they move forward with their plan. Uh, they are planning on sending a probe down there to look, to like look for weak spots or whatever underneath the planet's surface. Whatever. Something, something, you know, techno babble. Techno babble. <laughs> you know? um, Trek babble. Yeah, techno babble. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um and the the raiding party is Burnham because obviously uh, Tilly because you know really like Tilly just needs to be everywhere Ash <laughs> because he is the person with he's the person who's got literal and figurative inside knowledge of all of Klingon space and Klingon doings so he's got to be there and you know my warrior goddess uh philippa giorgio you know in, basically uh, like in leather a leather cape, cape. yeah and i i could have just i could have just shut off the episode at that point and said like i'm done like this is the <laughs> best ending to a discovery episode ever but then it, you know, oh god <laughs> and then it got better <laughs> well yeah uh, because be- you hadn't even seen the like let's go to a sex club portion of <laughs> Let's I mean, put discovery on all access so we can have an alien so, sex club. Yeah, so we can basically have Moss Eisley on speed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, you know, like, it is a wretched hive of scum and villainy. You know, like, Tilly gets high. Ash plays Klingon craps with a K because that's how Klingons spell craps. And her highness, the god empress, uh, decides to proposition two hookers to get information on this temple. Right. Because that's why she wanted the... <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, if she's gonna go ahead and blow up an entire planet, she may as well get her kicks while she, you know before before it happens, right? right? Yeah. And um, well, yeah. Starfleet is still footing the bill for her. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, while she was high, know. Tilly finds out that the probe is a bomb the whole time <laughs> yes. because you know we're just reinforcing the uh, the trope that you know you are more enlightened when you're on drugs. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Dare worked for me, kids. Yeah, I love her. I love her character too. And she opens the suitcase, like, wait, that's not a probe. That's a that's hydro not bomb. A probe. Like, <laughs> yeah. I have something to say about that particular scene, but we'll get there when we get there. Um, <laughs> uh, Burnham figures it out. She trades Giorgio's freedom for the bomb, or specifically the detonator. She hands it to Lorel and says. Laurel, like you go ahead, you threaten to activate this thing, you threaten to blow up Kronos, and everybody will follow you, and then you know, and then this entire war is over. Um, yeah. and you are in a lot of power. And 
Ash goes to rule with Laurel? Question mark. That was really unclear of what his role was because he just kind of like went off with her at the end of the episode. Eh. Burnham gets reenlisted. The sport drive is decommissioned um, until they can find a non-human pilot for it. Um, because considering you know the <laughs> the training course that they needed to go through in order to get the one human pilot, <laughs> it's kind of unsustainable. And then. Um, and it ends with uh, Disco responding to a distress call from Captain Pike of the USS Enterprise. Yes, Captain um, Pike. And a little nod that I'm sure that made you squeal with delight, Regina, was that they en- over the end credits, they played the original series yeah. theme song. Actual played the actual. Yes. I got, I had the biggest chills <laughs> <laughs> when they revealed that it was the enterprise and then the and then the original series music started i like i held my arm out to chris i'm like feel that like feel that and he ran his fingers across my arms and they're like it was like super bumpy i'm like wow okay trekkie <laughs> kind of a trekkie here sorry yeah. sorry <laughs> Yes. Okay. Sounds, so, sounds about right. It was. Yeah. I mean, it was totally. And I'm sure, you know, I didn't realize how much I had missed the music until mm-hmm. that moment because there's a little bit of it in the opening um, music uh, for Discovery. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. A refrain at the end. Um, but it's not the like full on song. And so as soon as it started, I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Um, so before we go on to like our discussion of these two episodes, I just wanted to wrap up our predictions for anybody who's been following along. Um, let's see, Dante, do you remember what you said? I, I remember saying that Ash was going to sacrifice himself for the greater good. And I'm going to give myself a half a point on that one. Yeah. I'll give (laughs) you a half a point on that one too, for him, like, like making some, I don't know that it's going to turn out to be an altruistic decision, but I think he thinks that it is. So mm-hmm. we'll get from that. Um, your main prediction was that um, season two was going to be the war with the Klingons. I am, I am extremely upset that that is not a thing that's happening. Right. So that's not <laughs> happening. Although I've heard it hinted online that it might be um, that this is kind of a bait and switch of mm-hmm. sorts. Um, you get, you guess it would end on a cliffhanger, but we all, like kind of said it was going to end on a cliffhanger. And you also said that Burnham was going to have to watch Giorgio die again. And yep, that was entirely wrong. Yeah. All right. You know, she's still alive. So who knows she, what's going to happen with yeah. her. She's it still alive. So, yeah. you know, it's a thing. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, Liam said that they were going to wrap up the war. So you got that one right, Liam. So they did end the war with the Klingons. Again, for now, theoretically, for now, for now, yes, oh exactly. God. Like I'm not, I'm not 100 sold. Yeah, that this is done. Didn't dress, are they going to give any of the territory back? Yeah, Did, they kind of glossed over the formality as we <coughs> we knew it. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they have to go ahead and set up the treaties, but you know, like you know, they'll bring in Picard for that, and it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Except he's 100 years away still, so he. Yeah. <laughs> 140 years away, something like that. Okay. Uh, Lemmy also said that Giorgio was going to die, um, and that Saru was going to be captain for um, the next season, um, and that season two was going to focus on the spore drive. Um, I'm willing to go ahead and give him a point for Saru being captain, even though they made a big deal of him saying acting captain. Right. (laughs) 
you know. And yeah. they're theoretically going to Vulcan to pick up the next captain, like what the Tsarek said in his many right. words, which was weird, but I, I don't believe that's going to stick. Yeah. I I... They're going to make it to Vulcan right away. I think yeah. James yeah, Crane is going to stick around as Tsarek on Discovery. Mm-hmm. Probably yeah. for a couple of few episodes. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and I also said that Georgia was going to die, that she was going to sacrifice herself. Um, that it was going to be her tactical mind that was going to solve the Klingon issue, which I, I mean, know, maybe I'm willing to give you a point on that one. <laughs> yeah, because it really was like it's not really her tactical mind; it was more her vicious yeah i don't see her her, sacrificing herself for anything her vicious honey yes well i thought that she would sacrifice herself for michael was what i was thinking um because in the alternate um in the mirror universe um michael was her daughter so right yeah that there would be something about that that would make her want to keep her alive um and that um they were going to find the defiant the prime defiant which didn't happen so yeah we didn't do too bad. We all had, you know, what about, at least what about one. Yours, those were mine. Oh, those were yours. Giorgio was going to sacrifice herself oh, yeah. for Michael. That uh, the tactical mind was going to solve yep. the problem. Her tactical. Okay, yeah. Mind. For and some reason, we... I thought. For some reason, I thought you said that those were, uh, that those were somebody else's, and yeah. I'm a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so, um, anyways. What we have some talking points here. So mm-hmm. where do we want to start with these? Somebody have a place. Or anybody have something they really want to talk about like first? Mm, I mean, I can talk about my warrior empress all day, but we probably shouldn't. Um Well let's let's actually can, ask can Nicole. <laughs> okay. Let's ask Nicole because Nicole watched the whole season in the last week. Yes. Yeah. And I am totally not a Trekkie. Yeah, like, like she of, hates Trek. I do. Like <laughs> hates the it. most part. Yeah. Yes. Um, my husband loves it. I hate it. Um, I actually liked this series because it felt different to me because it was like a single character focus, mm-hmm. um, which made it easier for me to kind of relate. Um, and it was for the most part less goofy. <laughs> right. I don't even know how else to describe it, except for the time travel episode. It was less goofy. <laughs> But um, I know I still love that time travel episode, but I, mean, I love track. So, yeah, it's it's OK. But like, I think I told you, Regina, um, after we watched that episode, I told my husband, I'm like, oh, man, now now it's getting all Star Trek. And he's like, <laughs> well, I'm like, but it wasn't like it wasn't up to this point. Yep. yep um, but these last two episodes, um, I'm like I said, I'm really I mean, he's probably not gone for sh- for for good, but I'm really glad that Ash seems to be out of it because he's getting annoying. Mm-hmm. It's like too weepy. Like, okay, we get it. Get over yourself. <laughs> I'm like, get out of here. Too much. Too much. Um, yeah. My husband had to tell me too, like when they were getting the distress call at the end of the last one, and you can see the 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 number the, for the ship kind the, of popping yeah, the, on the, the screen. screen. The NC seventeen oh one. Yeah, yes. I was like, like hitting Chris's arm. I'm like, oh, do you know? Do you know what this? Do you know? And he's like, what? That was like what Isaac was with me, only not as um, emphatic. I was, was very emphatic. Like, yeah, I was oh, like, that's the Enterprise, and I was like, oh, okay. Uh, yep, 
it's it, it's pretty great. Yeah. Can I tell can I tell a really short side story about this? Uh, so I I'm part of a roller derby league, and one of the skaters in my league, her name is Shaolin Spocker, which is a great name, <laughs> and her number is one seven zero one. Nice. It took me about two and a half years of knowing this person before I finally realized, like, oh, that's the number of the... And then I immediately decided to commit Star Trek Seppuku because I should have known that two and a half years previously. <laughs> that's the end of my story about the number 1701. <laughs> well, it was, you know, it's, it's yeah. It's, it's not something you'd be, and any, like, casual fan might, like, pick up on, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Unless, unless you've known and sort of watched and pay attention to, you know, how they know the, the ships yeah. and all that stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. Anyways, yeah. though, yeah. Um, what are your other reflections then on the on the series? You know, you said it got kind of goofy, but you liked the singular focus that they had on um, the, uh, mostly. Burnham as a person, Burnham. Um, yeah. even even though I mean, like they did do a healthy amount of of uh, of development on a lot of these other uh, tertiary and secondary crew members. Yeah, yeah, but it still felt everything seemed to be revolving around Burnham, which mm-hmm. I really like, and I can't really explain like why that is because like obviously I'm okay with sort of ensemble shows yes game of thrones Thrones. (laughs) but Uh i mean um but this i I, it's hard to describe but i just it felt less like star trek to me basically oh yeah well i mean that's one of the biggest things liam and i have talked about this too one of the biggest critiques has been it's not star trek enough um (laughs) which i've always felt is like the biggest catch 22 because if it was too much like the original series or you know mm-hmm. um i mean it wouldn't be like the original series because nobody would do that again um but <laughs> well, if were they, it, yeah were they running around in scrubs and being goofy oh wait yeah <laughs> I, somebody just posted a gif the other day of uh the episode where they're on the the lizard plant and <laughs> kirk throws the rock at the lizard and right. it's like literally oh, the, a person in like a yeah. plastic suit, suit yeah. that, like bounces off of them and it's like right. oh, so scary my brother routinely uses oh. that scene to justify why he doesn't want to watch Star Trek. Yeah. He's like, look at this world-class fight choreography. Right. I really can't blame him for some of that. Yeah. But, the, you know, given the era, we definitely have to put it in its era. Yeah. One of the things that I did like about the Goofy episode was the the helmet that he was wearing, Mud was wearing when he came out of the whatever the animal is called. It had, like, the antenna on the top of it. Oh, it the like Gormagander? Yeah, yeah, but his helmet was like uh, had like antenna on the top of it. Okay. So he was like, yeah, he looked like a goofy alien, and I'm like, okay. I mean, obviously that was a throwback to some of those stupid, sort of stupid. The Andorian, <laughs> I think they're Andorians. Yeah, the blue ones. Yeah, with the, yeah the, there was a couple yeah. of them in this in these last couple episodes. One of the mm-hmm. one of yeah. the hologram communication guys, and one of the guys who boarded them. The blue guys with the antenna. Yeah, I, I yeah. like that too. He was clearly he'd stolen it from someone. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it, it had some other aliens' physiology in it. Yes. Yeah. Well, I just love. Well, I loved Mud because he he was a character in the original series, and so I loved him for that too oh, because man. they they did a nice job kind of bringing him in. Mm. Oh yeah, my my father positively loved the fact that uh, that, that Mud, Mud was, was there. Hardcore uh, Fenton Mud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. So anyway, anyways. Yeah. Um, Cool. So we've got 
So I'm glad I'm glad that you liked it. I was I was just about <laughs> to ask you, uh, like the, my first question to you, Nicole, was going to be, where have you been these last couple of weeks? <laughs> and you have you have answered this question satisfactorily. <laughs> uh, and that was you know like waiting for the entire series so that you could marathon it. Apparently, yeah. Yes. Well, actually, what happened is Regina and I are on the Geeking with the Moms which we recently rebranded from gaming with the moms. We decided we were going to talk about things other than games, uh-huh. including TV. Um, and I can't talk forever. Well, I could talk forever about game of Thrones, but we can't talk forever about game of Thrones on the podcast. Right. And star Trek was out. I'm like, I kind of got to do this. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like I said, and I my kept husband, talking about how great it was. Cause we were yeah, worried about it. So yeah, I was like, my husband, you yeah. know, Star Trek fan too, and he had been watching it. And he did, like didn't even ask me to watch it because he knew that I hated it. But then I'm like, "Hey, I'm going to watch this," and he was really excited. So yeah. Well, Chris so, yeah. has the same issue with Star Trek that you have. Like, he doesn't like the Next Generation because he can't handle. He doesn't like episodic TV, um, mm-hmm. just at all. Um, he likes he likes TV that it has like an overarching story, which is why he can hang with like Game of Thrones and. Mm-hmm he liked this track mm-hmm. better than he's liked the other and why we like yeah. um enterprise better even than some of the more um modern um track because at least there was not quite such an arc as you see here but mm-hmm. a- enough of a kind of continuous story that he could get more into it um i i just make fun of him and tell him that he's really a fan of soap operas it's really what he's saying. <laughs> that's hilarious that's where that genre comes from like in tv like you know yeah, that's like a, a TV TV show that has a continuous story, you know, used to only be, you know, right. soap operas because they knew everybody were watching them every day so they could continue to have them, you know, have this story that continued on and on. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. Well, Liam, <laughs> what did you think? So what were your impressions of these these last two episodes and how the show ended? I liked that they sort of almost did a lower key ending. Yes. Because um, when you I look at look so back writing. at any of the other Star Treks that did anything long running, which is really Deep Space Nine and a little bit of the Enterprise stuff, it, I guess Voyager would try occasionally, but <laughs> like everything Voyager did, they never succeeded. <laughs> exactly. With one or two exceptions. Yeah. Um, but I like that the, the, all the bonkers stuff was probably episodes 10 to 13 or so mm-hmm. all in the mirror universe because there was a bit before that a bit after but mostly the mirror universe stuff just ramped up and ramped up and ramped up and then it sort of had a slow burn at the end um like 14 in particular was a lot of just two-person conversations yeah that's sequence. true and it was it was an interesting juxtaposition between it there was some like maybe the maybe someone interrogated Lorel a couple times, or they ran into a bunch of wreckage. But other than that, there was a couple of conference room scenes, and then there was a lot of yeah, you know, two people talking. Each room, mm-hmm. each scene would be just two people in a room having a conversation. Well, it's sometimes an intense conversation, right? Um, like there was the the um, the Ash Burnham scene. Right. He tells him that um, I actually like that the redemption is solitary Mm -hmm. um, because the thing about Burnham is that she is 
so imperfect, which is sort of what makes her really interesting lead character for a Star mm -hmm. Trek. Yeah. Because other than, well, normally they try to make the captain his paragon. Mm -hmm. There's there's flashes here and there where they're not. Like Cisco will have moments of moral grayness, or Janeway will make dumb decisions, tunes and decisions. <laughs> um, but Archer was sort of flat and boring. Archer would try to they try to take Archer in some of the he's desperate situations, but he'd never do anything bad. Right. He would always be kind of on the cusp of it, but something he, would happen, so he, he didn't stole have to that technology. Yeah. We watched Enterprise fairly recently. He stole like a warp part from someone to literally save the entire planet. Mm hmm And they treated it as a huge moral thing. So that was like his one slip or at least vaguely questionable thing whereas Cisco would get his hands a little dirty sometimes right but this time you had Burnham like actively wrestling with so much of what was going on the whole time it got a bit melodramatic at times but it also it was it was interesting in ways that Star Trek has not really done before yeah absolutely you had, you had to follow this person and yet you had to roll with it being mm -hmm melodramatic in ways that Star Trek wasn't usually before because usually it was just the person who was right about things moralizing and telling the people who were wrong about things. Yep. Whereas this time we had to watch her reckon with her own decisions and mm -hmm. Yeah, and the herself. outcome and the resulting and like just watching the fallout of the war. Yeah, right. and even the smaller stuff like with, with Ash mm -hmm. because she's trying to tell him that she has he has to make this journey on his own. Mm -hmm. to come back from what he did. But then also you realize in the end, it's like, but she doesn't. She realizes in the end that she has a crew now. She has done a lot of the work on her own, but she also, I think, in the next episode realizes that she's not alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because she gets, when she has the speech to Hollow Cornwell, she's doing the speech herself, but then Saru stands up does the we are Starfleet thing. Right. Mm -hmm. She looks around and sees the whole group standing up to, mm -hmm. to stand behind her. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, I did. That, it's a yeah. lot of really good character moments in a, yeah. in a franchise that used that had them, but in much different ways. And these ones almost mm -hmm. feel more interesting. Yeah, yeah I agree. Well, and I'm really glad too that um, Burnham wasn't Ash's redemption, like like because so often the story is the the you know the wronged woman or um, you know the woman who's been raped for giving her rapist. Not, he didn't rape her. I'm not trying to say that, but mm -hmm. that yeah. storyline of like the um, the absolution having to come from the female character. Uh, for someone who has has done a wrong like that is pretty uh -huh. tropey, you know. It's a pretty a pretty strong trope. And I was standing there and I was watching, or I wasn't standing. I was watching Burnham stand there and confront him. And I'm like, if she gives into this, I'm gonna I'm gonna quit. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't said that in this show really at any point past you know being kind of questionable about the pilot episodes not being everything I had thought they were gonna be. Um, but had she capitulated on it and had she given in to him, even in episode 15, um, had she given in and said, no, don't leave, you know, don't, don't take this away from us or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, had some sort of thing like that, I would have 
not been happy, but she was content to let him go. And she was content just to stay there and say, you know, this is not, I can't be this with you anymore. Yeah. So. I also like that it was, a lot of it was, a lot of the writing ends up being clever and even a little self-referential, but without being awful about it, mm -hmm. as a lot of stuff when they try to do that can be. Yeah. Like as I, I guess I was saying to you, Regina, before we started that I was skimming through the episodes just real quick and I was mm -hmm. taking a few notes, but there was one of my favorite bits from both of the episodes was Saru talking to Cornwell. <laughs> and she was like, I felt I felt so stupid. And then he literally says that Lorca was an imposter from an alternate universe. It's not the most obvious conclusion. Right. <laughs> we're all deceived, which is funny because it's the sensible thing to say in that situation. Mm -hmm. But also the fans had sort of figured it out from the beginning. I think right. we last yeah. week, like some of them, some people were just theorizing anyway. Some people were theorizing for silly reasons that they thought he was too imperfect to be Starfleet. He had to be mirror universe. So they sort of backed into the right answer. Right. Yeah. But I thought that was a really fun sort of like, wink. Yeah. A little, but not a stupid wink. Cause sometimes right. when TV wink at the audience, it's, it's bad. Right. It, it's like, let's blink the whole screen instead of like, let's just give you a little hint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then even the, like they let every character comment on the theme of things without it being, and, we, and it just sort of tie things back to Star Trek in general, because that's one of their complaints people really had about the show was that it doesn't feel like Star Trek at all. Whereas I know it's such a weird thing to talk about because half the things <laughs> that we even like about it is our, it doesn't really feel like Star Trek, and that's a good thing because right. Star Trek can be tired mm -hmm. and well, dull, yeah. But also, that's, yeah, it they make it feel like Star Trek in the important ways, like you have mm -hmm. Sarek talking to Burnham, basically at the end of both episodes, but at the end of fourteen when he's leaving Discovery, mm -hmm. and she he's just talking to her the, for the first time about. He found out about Ash, and he found out about a lot of stuff. And it's like, what greater source of peace exists than the ability to love our enemy? Mm. Yeah, don't regret loving someone. And it's like, well, yeah, and that's those are really important Trek ideas. Like, yeah, exactly. Those are fun, the, some of the fundamental, foundational ones. It's just it's they're they're really mm -hmm. shining a light on the stuff that I sort of thought was there the whole time, but that naysayers were very much like, no, there's they don't understand this at all. The writers are just burning star trek to the ground it's like yeah give these people a bit of credit yeah well and uh, you know and burnham's speech at the end is like one of the most star trek things <laughs> i've ever seen <laughs> like you don't get much more star trek than standing up in front of everybody and saying you know we had to do this together and this right. was you know how we had to do it and it took yeah. all of us you know making the mistakes that we made and making the choices that we made to get here um, and so, you know, I can't imagine. I, I was interested in the pacing of the of episode fifteen. Um, I hadn't seen a spoiler, but there was someone on my Facebook who had posted like three times in the hour that she had watched it about how it was such an amazing episode, and she was literally shaking because of what had happened. And so my mind jumped kind of like you were saying, Liam, to, you know, what's going to be the big event? Because at this point, you know, we don't have a big event coming. Yeah. Right. I mean, no, we I mean, we really don't. We've got the um, yeah, we've got the distress call, 
but this, right. the, the distress call could be anything. Right. I mean, and I think it's clear. I mean, like it's obviously clear that CBS wasn't sure that this right. show was going to take off. Yeah. Uh, They're cautious. The rocket ship pun. Take right. off. Um, <laughs> so they, Space. yeah, exactly. So, so, you know, they, they wrapped it up, which is like, which is fine. And like, it, it is smart of them to not have to not have ended this on a cliffhanger because that would have been extraordinarily arrogant right. of them to just to just kind of assume that yeah we're gonna go ahead and get a second season huzzah right. you know but, you know like knowing all of the stuff that Ian let us know about last week uh, with regards to all the, the drama that was happening on the set and the showrunners leaving because I like I don't I don't follow all this stuff um, I, I I turn on I watch the show once a week and I turn it off and then I do this like this, this is the extent of the interaction that I have with with the show <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah I mean it's um I mean, like, yeah, look, where are we going to go from here? Like, well, and I, I think that those, oh, Sugar, sorry. No, 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 no that, that was the end. That, okay. I'm posing that question. Where are we going? Yeah. Well, and, and that's what I think is interesting about, like, I, I'm not really sure where we're going. And I kind of like that. I like that I feel like this story was complete and it was challenging and it was interesting. And I feel like, um, like we mentioned, like you mentioned in the notes, uh, thanks to Dante for putting the notes together for me so I could day drink for Valentine's Day. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All living kids. (laughs) (laughs) We're all adults with real jobs. (laughs) We can day drink now. Um, both Burnham and Ash have redemption arcs and I think it was that's very Star Trek as well Mm -hmm. Um, and it may not be like you know um, one of the original series episodes that I always tend to bring up because it was so outrageous was um, I forget what the name of it is but it's in the third season and um, they find a race uh, who is chasing like one, one person from the race that has escaped. And they literally have like one half of their face is black and one half of their face is white. Mm. And like the conflict is because the guy who's escaping is escaping and he's a prisoner and he's all this. And because his face is like black on the opposite side of the cop's face, like, like yep. it's literally, they're just like flipped around. It's like, it's, yeah. it's a, um, the Sneetches. It's Dr. Seuss's The Sneetches, right? <laughs> cool ones have the, the belly tattoos or whatever, and the <laughs> Sneetches without them don't, like, right? So it's basically that story. <laughs> it's like, and, you know, it's 1969 or whatever when yeah. the last season was airing, and it's, you know, the civil rights and whatever. So how much more heavy-handed can you get? Right. I mean, you can't really. Then literally black and white faces <laughs> against each other. Yeah. No. I mean, I mean no. like, we all know that, you know, Roddenberry was the original, you know, he was the, the original social justice proponent mm-hmm. uh, inside inside of genre filmmaking. Like, right. no, yes. like, pe- no like I'm sure people did it before him, but nobody was as in your face about it as Roddenberry was. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I, I was just reading, and I was just reading uh, an interview with uh, Nichelle Nichols the other day for an article that I'm writing um, for the Geek Embassy, which should be coming out in the next week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, self plug. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, and Nichelle Nichols was uh, was was go recounting her uh, her conversation with uh, Dr. Martin Luther King about how he personally called her and entreated her to stay on the show because her presence was just so important to 
to, to, to black people in the community at that point. And she in turn went and talked to Roddenberry about it. And according to Nichelle Nichols, Roddenberry just kind of smirked and said, finally, someone gets it. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, like, so look at that. Like Roddenberry was trying to get that kind of a reaction out of probably white people, but he right. got it out of, you know, one of the most important Americans to ever come out, uh, ever come out of this country. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. You knew, you knew the significance, but yeah, I've heard, I've heard her tell that story before too. I've heard, um, heard that and heard her, you know, talking to him about the way he was telling the stories mm-hmm. at that time and how he was kind of sneaking, you know, morality tales really into this. And oh yeah. Like, don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I mean, like it, yeah, and let's let's be real. Like it's all, it's also at the same time that uh, you know, like that Ray Bradbury is writing uh, mm-hmm. Fahrenheit four fifty one. Right. If I yep. if I have my dates correct, yeah. Um, yeah which is pretty important. Just about, just about as heavy handed, mm-hmm. and you know, like I mean, that, that kind of start you know, starts the trend of science fiction as social critique because it's the best way that we have yeah. to do it. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, like and speaking of social critique, you know, like you know, we got a little bit of Ender's Game in here too, where you know, where we have you have the question on like, you know, like, do you win or do you consider the way in which you're winning? Right. As well, mm-hmm. like, there's that that's prevalent throughout like throughout these last. I'm gonna call it three or four episodes, but like really amped up in this one. Yeah. Like, especially in episode 15, like you know, we're we were just talking about how there's so much, uh, you know, face to face and one on one conversations. I mean, there was also another big face to face one on one conversation with Laurel's face and Philippa Giorgio's fists. Right. You know, in her roundhouse kicks uh, yeah. as well, <laughs> as she's basically beating the crap out of her. You know, so, you know basically, you know, telling her. You know, like you're going to tell me where the weak spots on Kronos are, and you're going to tell me now, and I'm going to like bust your wrists and break your shoulders and kick your face in and make you bleed until you tell me these things. Like, and it was just, oh god, like you. Know, I mean, it, I think it says a lot for Burnham's redemption arc that she has to be the one to say stop. That's enough, right? She mm-hmm. starts the series out as a. You know, as, as a as a gung ho, you know, like yeah. renegade mutineer. Right. Take the you know, yeah. take the the outcome of the universe in their hands. Yeah, exactly. With, with no consideration for what's going to happen with it. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that and that just shows. Well, Burnham's got stones. You know, she stood up to. Yeah. You know, she she stood up to an emperor who has the facade of a person that she loved like a that she loved like a mother. Um, you know, and in an admiral, a person who like who almost literally holds the rest of her career, you know, in her you know in her hands because like with a few with a few signatures of a pen, Cornwall can basically blacklist Burnham from Starfleet for life. Right. Again, or send her back to the penal colony that she was slated for. Yeah, exactly. Or send her back to the penal colony and and have her live out the rest of her days as a cold as a cold bitter woman. Yeah. Um. And and she's got a lot of stones to go ahead and basically get up in her face and tell her like like this is not how starfleet operates it is how we win is just as important as the fact that we do win this war right and that's um and well you're uh, part of what you're talking about here brings up like there there were two things that i wanted to talk about about the choice to put this show on all access 
mm-hmm. um, uh, because we've all complained um, about having to have another subscription service yeah. um, to just watch this one show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, why did they do that? And I think it's interesting because looking at the show as a whole now, I think we can see that there are certainly levels of violence um, that we wouldn't have seen if it was broadcast. No. Um, and there were also levels of sex that we also wouldn't have seen um, had it been broadcast, yeah. uh, which they saved, you know, for the last episode when they're like, oh, right, we can take people's clothes off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so oh, they had us. So they had us go to a strip club. because Why not? <laughs> I mean, a couple episodes back. Let's not forget because I can't forget it. So you all are never going to forget it. Um, <laughs> the sex scene that they had between Tyler and Laurel. Right. Yes. As, well, and all the, all the violence with all the flashbacks he's having about the torture, all of that mm-hmm. was right along there too, with, you know, on the lines of things that you could absolutely not have mm-hmm. on regular broadcast TV. Um, so I think it's interesting because that is definitely one way they pushed past what we've seen of Star Trek before. And mm-hmm. at least in in the TV shows, um, yeah, I don't even think that there's been like that much sex or violence in the movies. Now that I'm thinking back about it, I mean, there's been like fun, goofy sex, you know, like with you know with Kirk basically trying to go ahead and you know procreate with every you know every alien that has two legs yeah. and, a, and a set of breasts, <laughs> um, or multiple breasts, or multiple breasts, you know, <laughs> like. It's like, hey, look at that. Do you, do you have something? Yeah, but that was always, that was in the sixties too. So I mean, even what was insinuated there was mostly like, you know, there wasn't. No, no, you, you have to tell me this. You, oh, you, you didn't see anything. Like you didn't actually see. Like there were a couple of like hot and heavy kisses you might have seen, but you never mm-hmm. saw Kirk like go off into a room with a chick. Like there was just always mm-hmm. the insinuation that he was the ladies' man. Uh, yeah. And then I there mean, was yeah. the mostly sexless next generation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was that one episode where uh, where what's her face, um, Doctor Crusher, kind of had a relationship with a oh, space ghost, with a ghost, with a space <laughs> ghost who animated her dead grandmother because reasons. <laughs> you know, that was that was just weird um there was something in their dna her line of dna that allowed the ghosts to inhabit them something and it lived something. in a lamp and it, yeah ended up in a lamp and then it yeah. electrocuted her friends yeah and and it was only a and it was only at that point that she realized that something was wrong yeah you know not I, the fact that a ghost is talking to her <laughs> anyways um yeah i mean yeah like well, yeah we've largely had sexless star trek up until like the insinuations with um with uh the the most recent JJ Abrams movies because mm-hmm. you know, like they you know, they show a couple of scenes of Chris Pine you know like you know in his in his underwear with you know, with a green woman and yeah. you know like I mean like that that goes that goes beyond like playfully implying and goes into just like yeah like this has been happening for a while yeah <laughs> I think Enterprise with their the decontamination stuff yes was, i was gonna bring that up too i never that was a, that was a blatant attempt yeah go ahead liam oh, no that, that was just a blatant attempt to have something to stick in previews so people yeah. would watch upn next week 
It was. Right. Uh, yeah, the, there was uh, the Vulcan lady putting the gel on herself or on Scott Bakula. Yeah. Yeah. Or she was crawling around in the decontamination chamber in the red light and Yeah. Sweaty and yeah. Of course, yeah. because why wouldn't you? Right. Yeah. So yes, there were. I was I was thinking of that too. That was the only like sort of super sexual scene I could think of beyond Beverly Crusher's ghost lover. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is the there's Vosh. I mean, you got Picard's like silk bathrobe. Yes, it. Picard's silk bathrobe, and then there's Vosh, the woman that he kind of the archaeology woman that he dates that he goes on the adventure with. Mm-hmm. When he goes on vacation, they force him to take vacation, and Riker sends him to the sex planet. I can't think what it's called. Risa. Risa, yes. Oh, wait, how could we go ahead and forget the best Star Trek villain ever, the Borg Queen? Right. <laughs> the Borg Queen, who basically, like, exuded sexual yes. confidence there. Yes, that's true. That's true. You know, like, she had that entire thing where, like, ah. she grafted the skin on, yes. onto Data, and onto then she, Data. like, blew on it. And he yeah. was like, ugh, he got, you know, he got a little bit of a, you know, robot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say it on air, because... He had sensations. He... <laughs> He most certainly had sensations, and I'm sure that his parts that are anatomically correct were sensated. Fond of, yes. <laughs> anyways. Um, anyways, uh, I, I am actually thinking about, I am thinking about writing an article about sex and um, Star Trek Discovery, just to talk about how, um, how it was portrayed um, mm-hmm. in the series and why I think that was one of the reasons why they chose to have it on All Access. I'm hoping, at least. Um, but Dante uh, had a question. What was that? Oh, I just think it's a purely cynical reason they were they were putting it on all access just to um, get people to subscribe. Well, that and to an article I read a few months ago was that it's basically CBS All Access is a cheap way for them to be able to hardball local stations for higher rebroadcast rights. Oh, thing I've heard is that because there certain rebroadcast rights are worth this X amount of money, but if they can have this other this other streaming venue that goes well, we have this that brings in this X amount of dollars per viewer, which is much more important because each each person pays in this wildly huge amount of money rather than pennies that come in for each thing per channel. So yeah. It's basically negotiating leverage, is right. what I've read. Yeah, I, I think I read an article saying that too. That that like they didn't care, like they weren't trying to. Yeah. Um, they weren't even trying to make money off all access. They were just trying to leverage it. Yeah, and even even so, they they only have what two or three original shows on it. This is one of them. This one was expensive and kind of a boondoggle. Right. Yeah. With all the delays and the over budget. Yeah. It also. They're much more upfront with their subscriber numbers than, say, a Netflix is or a viewer right. numbers. They don't yeah. say who, how they don't, they haven't come out and said how many people watched a certain thing, but right. they're going, oh no, we yeah. like to the our sign up rate tripled or something when Star Trek started, mm. which doing the math on it means like, well, they at least come close to breaking even on putting the show out, and then Netflix pays to air it mm-hmm. around the entire world, so right. Mm. And they renewed this season. They renewed Star Trek like relatively early on in the run. Yeah, I don't even think it was like five or six episodes in. Yeah, mm-hmm. if that even. They were like, "Oh no, we're doing a second season." So yeah, 
Yeah, it was definitely by the mid-season finale. They were just yeah, like, yep, sure. we got it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So one of the questions Dante has here that I want to make sure we don't miss is, um, when is the last time we had a real complex and dynamic relationship between two lead females in genre TV? I mean, and like, and to be clear, like I am not limiting this to just Star Trek. Like I'm talking about all genre television, like all sci-fi, all fantasy, all, um, you know, like, all things that are not like normal television. Um, I mean, Nicole, you you're gonna be able to better uh, to better answer this for you know, Game of Thrones because I know there's a lot of there's a lot of lead women characters in there, and I I don't know what their relationships are because I have watched an entire season and a half of it. <laughs> they have a lot of relationships with each other is the thing. Um, the only like the the largest relationship I think that's that's happening now at least is um, Sansa and Arya. Cersei doesn't interact with anybody because she is Cersei. Right. Um, so, so it'll be interesting to all that, but like, yeah, there's lots of great strong women in Game of Thrones, but they don't interact with each other. Um, but they will in the last season because everybody's going to be everybody's all together. Everybody's going to have so, to. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's interesting. Well, huh. I think it'll be interesting to see Daenerys and Cersei. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, once that finally comes to fruition, which I'm not sure exactly how it's going to come to fruition, but it's got to. Yeah. 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 yeah, So like I'm, I'm going ahead and I'm running through every single Marvel and DC movie that I possibly can and searching for like the seven women that are, you know, that are there in between two, uh, in between all those movies. And I can't think of, I mean, you barely have them have conversations in some of those movies, you know, like the tests and whatnot. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I cannot think of any movie. Yeah. Any one of those movies that has more than one prominent lead female character, um, who, and, and, all right, no, so Mar- or so Captain America Civil War has Black Widow and Scarlet Witch, but. Well, they, and then there's they the. They don't really talk all that much. And Peggy Carter's have- niece, too. Hmm? Peggy Carter's niece. Oh, yeah, yeah, it, uh, Sharon Carter. Yes, Sharon Carter. There's, she's in there and she talks to Black Widow. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and she she has a uh, like in the comics she has a very close relationship with uh, with her aunt Peggy, but that is never shown in that's never shown in the movies. It's only insinuated. You know, it's uh yeah, it's insinuated. When she gives her her eulogy and she talks yeah. about, I just watched Civil War. That's the only reason why I know these things. Oh god, Civil <laughs> War is just so good. It is really um, good. Um, yeah. But Black Panther's coming, so yes. Oh my god, Black Panther! Yeah, yeah, it's like, opening tonight. I, Internet land, I want you to know that how how dedicated I am to this website is that I am here recording this on Thursday night and <laughs> Black Panther is happening in a theater that is not ten minutes away from me and I am here. You you still have time to make a midnight show. I mean that that assumes that there's a midnight show and that also assumes that I don't have to get up for work at right. five o'clock in the morning tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying there are other extenuating circumstances in this. You be quiet. <laughs> no one asked you. Um, but I want to answer the question first of all, because I think I've got the answer that if anyone isn't already screaming at the radios, it's probably, mm-hmm. probably will get, um, I, I would say Orphan Black. Okay. That is a show that I haven't seen. Me too. Is that, wait, is, that, is that the one that's dealing with like, like 
Dracula and stuff like that? Nope. Uh, clones. No, Frank, Frankenstein? Clones. Okay. Orphan you Black. Five minimum? At least four. Probably. Uh, I can't. We haven't watched the final season yet, but it's uh, it's five clones of uh, Tatiana Maslany, who's amazing, mm-hmm. as all of these different characters. Okay. Um, it's her, the relationships with herself, but they are all, the core of it is how these the clones discover each other and work together to take down the group that made them and makes their lives hell. Okay. Oh, and now, of course, you said clones, and so I immediately thought of Dollhouse. Okay. Does she... had female characters with, that were good friends, and that made me think of Firefly. Wait, who? <laughs> Wait a second. Who, who did they have the relationship with in Dollhouse? The two... It was Echo and who? Was it Echo and Echo. Whiskey? Mm, I wouldn't say any of those since they're that strong enough and that there's enough weird problematic stuff going on with that show that I wouldn't. Yeah, I haven't watched it since it first came out, so I might be misremembering, but I thought Echo and one of the other female dolls was were friends, but... Maybe. That's, yeah, it... Yeah, it it may have been, uh, yeah, it may have been Echo and Whiskey. Like I, I, as I'm sitting here looking at my complete series of of, of DVDs <laughs> that it, I, I literally haven't watched it in years. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, okay. So we've got one. We got Orphan Black. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of. Oh, like, Buffy. I really thought I just had another one, but I cannot recall what it is, and it's relatively new, but it just slipped my mind completely. Yeah, but yeah, Firefly. Like Firefly, we don't really have too many complex relationships between two women. Like the closest that we get is the occasional glimpse of uh, of Kaylee and Nara. Um, but that's like that. That's hardly like a defining relationship of the show. But yeah, like I, I was yeah. gonna, I was gonna default to Buffy though. Yeah. With uh, you know, with, with Tara and Willow, and with like with with Tara and Willow, and Buffy and Dawn, and Buffy and Willow. Yeah. Um, you know, Buffy and Anya, and I wanted to uh, say something like Gilmore Girls, but that's not. Um, that's not genre television. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they annoy like, me for other reasons sometimes. Well, I mean, that's the thing is, like, you know, you've like, you know, if if I wanted to go ahead and look at you know females having complex and deep, uh, weird relationships, I would look at you know, I would look no further than Sex in the City. Like, you know, right. like it's like at you know, Sex in the City and Friends and yeah, uh, and all and all of the fun stuff, but, like. It's like it's sad. Like we got to go back 20, 20 years at this point to to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? Yeah, uh, you know to to go ahead to go ahead and, and get one of those and you know like and Orphan Black. Like if, if Ian hadn't brought up Orphan Black, I wouldn't have uh, I wouldn't have even guessed it because I never never seen the show. Even though people keep yelling at me that I should probably watch it. But yeah, like it's uh, but yeah, it's it's surprising to me how uh, how rare this is. Um, I, I didn't get to watch the episodes twice. I I would have really liked to, um, but unfortunately, due to time constraints, it just uh, just didn't happen. But it really struck me uh, yeah. that a hallmark of this series was the relationship uh, between between Philippa Giorgio and Michael Burnham. Um, to the like, you know, to the point where where like it is devastating for regular universe, uh, regular universe Georgia to see that she, you know, that she's been betrayed and she's been, you know, and that uh, that her 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 right hand person is a mutineer, and 
we you know we go around and we see almost an opposite side of that at the end of the series where their relationship is tested again where you know like Giorgio is at once and not really the same person mm-hmm. um, and i i positively love what this show does in exploring the complexities of this, of this relationship because she like you can see that those two have have a lot of chemistry, both as actors in the real world and as characters on the on on the show itself. And I felt like the way that the show is directed and scripted, uh, with regards to scenes just between the two of them, just how much these two, just how much these two fed off of each other and influenced each other, um, and even if we can confidently say that Philippa Giorgio is still a terrible person uh, at the <laughs> at the end of the series, Mirror Giorgio Mary is Giorgio. a terrible yeah, person. Yeah, I was going to say, make the distinction. At, at, the end of the, at the end of the series, um, Burnham still, like, Burnham still manages to learn and uh, learn from her and respect, you know, and respect her and, you know, and 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 become and becomes that that person that you know, becomes that person that stands up in front of Starfleet while she's getting her Medal of Honor right. and repeats, "Yes, we are Starfleet." Right. Um, you know, and uh, and and to a certain extent, like you know, you saw what you saw, uh, Giorgio come to understand, even if she didn't appreciate the fact that they were trying to show. Uh, that they were trying to show mercy, and that they were trying to, uh, trying to use use subterfuge and cunning instead of brute force. She didn't, uh, you know, she didn't, like I said, like appreciate that they were doing that because she would rather just assassinate an entire world. Um, but she understood. I feel like she understood, uh, you know, why, like, you know, why they wanted to go ahead and do this, mm-hmm. even if she, even if it just doesn't phase her as as something that yeah as, as an as an option that she would even entertain right yep um yeah so i think he, you yeah. know her her arc as well i think is pretty it's it's short and it's not something we get a, a whole lot of um exposure to i'm not 100 percent sure that she's changed in any fundamental way but yeah i think I think too that she's recognizing in that moment that Burnham has taken on a little bit more cunning in terms of what she learned in the Mary universe, mm-hmm. um, in terms of how to make a deal, in terms of you know what is what is the what is the least damage we can do in this situation. So, and I think that that's an important sort of depth to her character because I think in some ways Burnham was very all or nothing. And I think yeah. she's a little bit more gray now, and how we can look at her. Yeah, I mean, and, but we, I mean, I, I disagree. I think that Giorgio has, well, I mean, I don't know if she has changed, but she has, like, she is at the very least exposed that she has a soft spot. Um, well, I think I already knew she had a soft spot when, like, like she had a, she, she had a she soft spot, so- but, but I think over the course of the last four episodes, like we have gotten a very clear impression that she will hesitate to 
where she will not hesitate to murder anyone. You know, anyone who shows weakness, anyone who's getting in her way, anyone who's stopping her from doing what she's doing. Um, yeah. And and by the like and by the end, like you know, like we like we've had like we've had uh, Mira Giorgio like outright threaten to you know to basically execute her and yeah. throw or or throw her in the brig for challenge for challenging her authority. Like Giorgio had every reason to just go ahead, pull a phaser and shoot Burnham in the face. And she didn't. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't think there was any way she could have considering that she was her daughter in the other universe. So, you know, she was looking at least at her daughter's face, even if it wasn't her daughter's temperament. Even if, even if it wasn't really her daughter. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, I had a few rapid fire questions. I wanted to wrap the episode up with. Um, Sure. We did this for our Runaways episodes. I thought it would be nice to finish the finale of we um, can do this. Yes, with mm-hmm. uh, Star Trek Discovery with this. So, uh, all right, your favorite character. So, Nicole, who was your favorite character? Tilly. 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 Uh, Liam. Uh, I thought about this. I had to give it. It's got to be. It's got to be Tilly. With the gut. <laughs> I. I. I love Burnham, and I really love Saru. Yeah, it's tough to know when I loved Lorca as weird as he was. Yeah, and Stamus has his moments, but just Tilly started as like one of those characters that I was worried I would really hate. <laughs> but she is the best, and especially this last yeah. episode. Even those were some of my notes, like just the oh man, running into Giorgio. Yes. After Giorgio <laughs> insults her hair, and she's yeah. like, I know, right. what is happening? <laughs> and then Clay Howard gets her really high, mm-hmm. and she <laughs> says that to Burnham over the communicator. Like, first yeah. of all, I'm really high, but you're not going to listen to me. I know, I know, I just and love she's her. She's the one that always swears. It's just, it's also good. And she was eating the space whale. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, well. I should have some. <laughs> She's coughing it out. Oh, it was great. It's, <sighs> yeah, like I know there, there are probably better. Like the other ones, that is not to say that Burnham. Any of the others are bad. Like I think mm-hmm. Burnham is actually a really great lead character. I think Saru is fascinating, and I mm-hmm. really do hope they just do what they feels like they mean to do and make him captain. Yeah, but Tilly's just so much fun. Yeah, I know. But I, also, I, like in fourteen. She's always the one, and she's done this from the beginning. Whenever they sit down and have a meal in the mess hall, like she's trying to get Burnham to talk about her feelings, mm-hmm. and she's like, she, she does that explicitly. He's like, I love talking about feelings, and yeah. she's the one who gets Ash to open up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she, and she was the first to go to Burnham when she was in the mess as well, right? And broke mm-hmm. the because she sat by herself and yeah. nobody wanted to be around her. So yeah, but like she, she was, a, she started out as a walking cadet with sleep app with an with a CPAP machine joke. Right, yes. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. And then she's Captain Killy. And then right. she's... like she just had so much. She just had so much. Dante, yeah. she, she's my favorite too. So was she your favorite, Dante? No. Giorgio. I mean, let's be real here. <laughs> leather. Leather. My, Giorgio my, and leather. My, my warrior goddess. Yes. Yeah. All right. Emperor Philippa Giorgio. Um specifically like mirror universe Philippa Giorgio, hands down favorite yeah, character. Emperor, Emperor um, Giorgio, Emperor Giorgio, not Captain Giorgio. Yes, that's, a, that's what I <laughs> All meant. Right. All right, okay. Which what's your favorite ship? So, which which two characters would you like to see in a relationship? Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, God, I don't know. See, this is like what I don't like about Star Trek mostly is it's too much of this stupid. I keep calling these stupid, too much relationship drama stuff. So, <laughs> oh, but that's not Game of Thrones. Come on, different, I was gonna say that. I'm glad somebody else. Did. Just, I don't know. It feels different. No, seriously, Regina. Like, don't you agree with me? It's it's got a different feel to it. I, I mean, yeah, but I mean, like, how much drama is there around the fact that like Cersei and um, Jamie are like. Mm-hmm. Are out a bunch of kids. Like, I mean, yeah. that's like the whole thing is like related back to the drama of their yeah. inappropriate relationship. You know, like, not to mention that, part. not to mention that Jon Snow is kind of like snogging his aunt right now before he realized that she was his aunt. Yeah, yeah but he still doesn't know yet. I don't yeah. know. I don't know these. I don't feel like I know these. You know the characters, characters. well enough. Well, yeah, enough. I had a hard time coming up with this too. I think I'm still on the yeah. fence about my choice. Do you have anybody you ship, Liam? Not really. Yeah. I tend to just go with what's on there. Mm -hmm. I just never had the mindset to pair up characters who aren't together. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What about you, Dante? Is this going to come as any surprise to you? Do I really need to say this? (laughs) Well, you have to ship Giorgio and somebody. It's going to be Giorgio and Burnham. Oh, see, I'm going to (laughs) go to Giorgio and Tilly. Ooh. Oh. Oh. Oh, all right. I'm changing my answer. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was mine. <laughs> Georgia and Tilly, yes. Let's do this. Yes, but we, we, we did a shipping episode a while back, and I shipped um, Darth Vader and Sauron. So <laughs> I like mixing the dark. No, that's that's great. Uh, yeah, my, my favorite ship of all time is, is Captain America and Bucky. Right, um, well, yeah. Because, so that's the one, right? Because amaz- cause it's amazing. But yeah, yeah. yeah Absolutely, Giorgio and Tilly. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's do favorite plot twist. We have a lot to choose from. Uh, mine oh. was the Lor- Lorca. Um, Lorca. Mary, Mary Lorca. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yep. What about you, Liam? I think it's just that the Mirror Universe turned out to be such a central thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't so much a tw- It was a twist, because obviously they ended up there, and you didn't fully suspect it. But again, I sometimes spoil myself for behind the scenes things. So mm-hmm. yeah. Like Jonathan Frake saying, I directed we went to the mirror universe and based right. on past experience in my Trek brain that just like, well they that means they're gonna do a one off thing that has no impact on anything. Right. Not that the whole thing is about Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not that it's literally at central to the entire plot of fifteen yeah. episodes. Yep. And yeah. that was and that and that they made it work. Yeah, that they yeah. did it well, that they did it well. Like, that mm-hmm. was really the payoff of it is, like, oh, but Killy in that, Captain Killy with that wig <laughs> with that and the wig. hair. Oh. Man, I really <laughs> hope that the disco cosplay is off the hook this year because it really <laughs> should be. And it needs to be all mirror cosplay because those mirror, I mean, the, you know, the the Federation uniforms are not are really awesome. They're good looking. They're, you know. Oh, yeah, you know, they look slick. Like, Yep. Yeah, they're yeah. slick. They don't look like pajamas anymore. They don't got the pooped <laughs> out, you know, mm-hmm. legs coming out of their boots. So, you know, they, they did a lot for those. And I really like the sleek lines on the sides and stuff. But man, those Mirror Universe <laughs> uniforms with all the gold and mm-hmm. Killy's yeah. hair. Oh, Killy's hair just, oh, I just freaking loved it. <laughs> yep. All right, Dante, favorite plot twist. Don't you bow before your emperor? Yes, that's mine too. Emperor Giorgio for sure. 
for Ugh. sure. Just because I felt like Lorca was always so bad that mm-hmm. I didn't really feel a whole lot of um, like surprise with what happened with him. Um, but uh, yeah, but Giorgio, I just like it just completely caught me off guard. All right. Mm-hmm. And the last rapid fire, uh, what are you looking forward to next season? What are you kind of hoping for, if anything? Nicole? Uh-huh. <laughs> I I don't know more of the same basically (laughs) more focus on Burnham more focus on Burnham or if they're going to switch the focus still keep it really sort of rotating around on one character yeah 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 yep yep what about you Liam um I hope it doesn't turn into a big weird puzzle or mystery involving the original Enterprise Mm. I like that. I like that they ran into it. Like I, I, don't, I didn't think they would go there. Right. Um, I didn't think they thought, would either. But that was a little on the nose. But also, once I saw that ship fly in, like, yeah, that was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got chills. So I, 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 I hope, I hope it doesn't burn the goodwill of it. But yeah. I'm also just fully on board, no matter what. Anyway. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it impressed me so much. Yeah, me too. I, I wholeheartedly agree. All right, Dante, what do you think? Oh my next God. What season. am I looking forward to next season? I am looking forward to several things. I am looking forward to the return of two characters. I am looking forward to the return of regular universe, Gabriel Lorca. Mm. Um, <laughs> I am looking forward to the return of my warrior goddess. Um, and I am and I am looking forward to the, I, I guess this, this just wraps into a bold prediction. I am looking forward to Captain Killy coming from, uh, coming from mirror universe into regular universe and kicking a lot of ass. All right. I'd love to like, see that. I am probably <laughs> going to be a hundred and thousand percent wrong, but, <laughs> that's okay i just want more tilly in my life if i can't have michelle yo in my life i want tilly in my life <laughs> killy tilly though yeah oh yeah killy tilly like you know like yeah yeah e- either one of them really yeah either one of them would work yeah i'm looking forward to seeing um what they do i'm looking forward to seeing pike um i'm i'm kind of hoping that spock isn't on the ship um and then we don't have to deal with spock and burnham together um, yeah, that would be weird. Or with some other actor trying to be Leonard Nimoy. Or trying to be Zachary Quinto. Or that. Yeah, um, <laughs> Either mean, way. All right. Uh, that all right, you know, can I just go ahead and make another hope for, for next season? I hope that they continue to explore other bits of the universe not yeah. related to the enterprise. Right. That they don't get stuck in like, like Liam said, kind of a puzzle of trying to like fit all of this together now. Yeah. Cause the, the, yeah. the farther, the farther they are removed from what the enterprise is doing, the better that this yeah. show is going to be. Yeah. Um, like stand it, on its own. Yeah. I mean, like I'm, yeah. I mean, like I'm looking forward to seeing how the Klingon, how the Klingon thing uh, ends up, ends up developing. Because even though they're not in, even though they're not in war anymore, clearly like Lorel's going to have some stuff up her sleeve. But you don't need the original Enterprise in order to make that happen. You yeah. can do this with the Discovery, and you can do this in different corners of the galaxy. You don't need to, you don't, you don't need to go ahead and 
drag and interweave uh, stuff from the original series into into Discovery right. in order to keep Discovery good. Agreed. All right. Well, thank you guys for for joining for this discussion. Mm -hmm. The Geek Embassy watches. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts and your comments. Um, what do you think of the finale of Star Trek Discovery? Um, are you looking forward to next season as much as we are? <laughs> Go ahead and leave us a comment at uh, thegeekembassy.com, our website. Catch mm -hmm. us on Twitter at The Geek Embassy or uh, follow us on Facebook or I guess like us on Facebook. Like us, please like us. <laughs> On mm -hmm. Facebook, you can catch Nicole and I every other week on Geeking with the Moms. So follow that as well. Um, and until next time, get your disco on. 